Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. To the old farmer. But he was glad that the principal there had yet some time to run. However, the skinny old fellow gave him some trouble by coming after him every day or two on a scraggy old white horse, furnished with a musty old saddle, and goaded into his shambling old paces with a withered old rawhide. All the neighbors said that surely death himself on the pale horse was after poor China Aster now. And something so it proved, for ere long China Aster found himself involved in troubles mortal enough. At this juncture Orcus was heard of. Orcus, it seemed, had returned from his travels, and clandestinely married, and in a kind of queer way was living in Pennsylvania among his wife's relations who, among other things, had induced him to join a church, or rather semi-religious school, of come-outers. And what was still more, Orcus, without coming to the spot himself, had sent word to his agent to dispose of some of his property in Marietta, and remit him the proceeds. Within a year after, China Aster received a letter from Orcus, commending him for his punctuality in paying the first year's interest, and regretting the necessity that he, Orcus, was now under, of using all his dividends. So he relied upon China Aster's paying the next six months' interest, and, of course, with the back interest. Not more surprised than alarmed, China Aster thought of taking steamboat to go and see Orcus, but he was saved that expense by the unexpected arrival in Marietta of Orcus in person, suddenly called there by that strange kind of capriciousness lately characterizing him. No sooner did China Aster hear of his old friend's arrival than he hurried to call upon him. He found him curiously rusty in dress, sallow in cheek, and decidedly less gay and cordial in manner, which the more surprised China Aster because, in former days, he had more than once heard Orcus, in his light, rattling way, declare that all he, Orcus, wanted to make him a perfectly happy, hilarious, and benignant man was a voyage to Europe and a wife, with the free development of his inmost nature. Upon China Aster's stating his case, his trusted friend was silent for a time, then, in an odd way, said that he would not crowd China Aster, but still his, Orcus's, necessities were urgent. Could not China Aster mortgage the candlery? He was honest and must have moneyed friends. And could he not press his sales of candles? Could not the market be forced a little in that particular? The profits on the candles must be very great. 
seeing now that orchis had the notion that the candle-making business was a very profitable one and knowing sorely enough what an error was here china aster tried to undeceive him but he could not drive the truth into orchis orchis being very obtuse here and at the same time strange to say very melancholy finally orchis glanced off from so unpleasing a subject into the most unexpected reflections taken from a religious point of view upon the unstableness and deceitfulness of the human heart but having as he thought experienced something of that sort of thing china aster did not take exception to his friend's observations but still refrained from so doing almost as much for the sake of sympathetic sociality as anything else presently orchis without much ceremony rose and saying he must write a letter to his wife bade his friend good-bye, but without warmly shaking him by the hand as of old. In much concern at the change, China Aster made earnest inquiries in suitable quarters as to what things as yet unheard of had befallen Orcus to bring about such a revolution, and learned at last that, besides travelling and getting married and joining the sect of come-outers, Orcus had somehow got a bad dyspepsia and lost considerable property through a breach of trust on the part of a factor in new york telling these things to old plain talk that man of some knowledge of the world shook his old head and told china aster that though he hoped it might prove otherwise yet it seemed to him that all he had communicated about orcus worked together for bad omens as to his future forbearance especially he added with a grim sort of smile in view of his joining the sect of come-outers for if some men knew what was their inmost natures instead of coming out with it they would try their best to keep it in which indeed was the way with the prudent sort in all which sour notions old prudence as usual chimed in when interest day came again china aster by the utmost exertions could only pay orcus's agent a small part of what was due and a part of that was made up by his children's gift money bright tenpenny pieces and new quarters, kept in their little money-boxes, and pawning his best clothes with those of his wife and children, so that all were subjected to the hardship of staying away from church. And the old usurer, too, now beginning to be obstreperous, China Aster paid him interest and other passing debts with money got by, at last, mortgaging the candlery. When next interest day came round for Orcus, not a penny could be raised. With much grief of heart, China Aster so informed Orcus's agent. Meantime, the note to the old usurer fell due, and nothing from China Aster was ready to meet it. Yet, as heaven sends its rain on the just and unjust alike, by a coincidence not unfavorable to the old farmer, the well-to-do uncle, the tanner, having died, the usurer entered upon possession of such part of his property left by will to the wife of china aster when still the next interest day from orcus came round it found china aster worse off than ever for besides his other troubles he was now weak with sickness feebly dragging himself to orcus's agent he met him in the street told him just how it was upon which the agent with a grave enough face said that he had had instructions from his employer not to crowd him about the interest at present, 
but to say to him that about the time the note would mature, Orcus would have heavy liabilities to meet, and therefore the note must at that time be certainly paid, and of course the back interest with it. And not only so, but, as Orcus had had to allow the interest for good part of the time, he hoped that, for the back interest, China Aster would, in reciprocation, have no objections to allowing interest on the interest annually. To be sure, this was not the law, but between friends who accommodate each other, it was the custom. Just then, old plain talk with old prudence turned the corner, coming plump upon China Aster as the agent left him. And whether it was sunstroke, or whether they accidentally ran against him, or whether it was him being so weak, or whether it was everything together, or how it was exactly, there is no telling. But poor China Aster fell to the earth, and, striking his head sharply, was picked up senseless. It was a day in July, such a light and heat as only the midsummer banks of the inland Ohio know. China Aster was taken home on a door, lingered a few days with a wandering mind, and kept wandering on, till at last, in the dead of night, when nobody was aware, his spirit wandered away into the other world. Old plain talk and old prudence, neither of whom ever omitted attending any funeral, which indeed was their chief exercise, these two were among the sincerest mourners who followed the remains of the son of their ancient friend to the grave. It is needless to tell of the executions that followed, how that the candlery was sold by the mortgagee, how Orcus never got a penny for his loan, and how, in the case of the poor widow, chastisement was tempered with mercy, for, though she was left penniless, she was not left childless. Yet, unmindful of the alleviation, a spirit of complaint, at what she impatiently called the bitterness of her lot and the hardness of the world, so preyed upon her as ere long to hurry her from the obscurity of indigence to the deeper shades of the tomb. But though the straits in which China Aster had left his family had, besides apparently dimming the world's regard, likewise seemed to dim its sense of probity of its deceased head, and though this, as some thought, did not speak well for the world, yet it happened in this case, as in others, that, though the world may for a time seem insensible to that merit which lies under a cloud, yet, sooner or later, it always renders honor where honor is due. For, upon the death of the widow, the freeman of Marietta, as a tribute of respect for China Aster, and an expression of their conviction of his high moral worth, passed a resolution that, until they attained maturity, his children should be considered the town's guests. No mere verbal compliment like those of some public bodies, for on the same day the orphans were officially installed in that hospitable edifice where their worthy grandfather, the town's guest before them, had breathed his last breath. But sometimes honor may be paid to the memory of an honest man, and still his mound remain without a monument. Not so, however, with the candle-maker. At an early day plain talk had procured a plain stone, and was digesting in his mind what pithy word or two to place upon it, when there was discovered, in China Aster's otherwise empty wallet, an epitaph written probably in one of those disconsolate hours 
attended with more or less mental aberration, perhaps, so frequent with him for some months prior to his end. A memorandum on the back expressed the wish that it might be placed over his grave. Though with the sentiment of the epitaph, plain talk did not disagree, he himself being at times of a hypochondriac turn, at least so many said, yet the language struck him as too much drawn out. So, after consultation with old Prudence, he decided upon making use of the epitaph. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.